to the first instalment of Sport Mental Health and it's all COVID-19's fault. My name's Dean Wixon, I'll be your host. Uh, this is a follow-on from a podcast that we did last year during COVID and uh, yeah, we're just taking the, the excuse of blaming COVID-19 for everything. So um, we'll be looking into sporting people from community level all the way up to advanced level and, and just their journey and how mental health has affected that. Um, today we're lucky enough to be joined by Alex McInnes in the studio. Thanks very much for having me, mate. No problem. And remotely, because of, and it is COVID's fault this time, uh, Emily Brabazon out in the middle of nowhere in Victoria. Emily, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks. And yourself? Oh, yeah, we'd be a shame, shame we can't get you in the studio, but, you know, it. Uh, one day, one day you'll be able to make the 10-hour trip in. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit devastating. Hopefully one day I'll be able to get up there and, actually see you guys have a chat and whatnot it'd be great yeah oh look it, it's it's been incredibly hard and that was the premise of of the podcast in the first place and, and bringing it to a live audience is a is another step so it'll be interesting just to what we do we'll just we'll just go for a bit of background obviously um for people listening the three of us have worked together um as myself and alex as coaches and, and brabba emily brabba you'll hear her called many things uh, as one of our, our key players in our, our team this year. So, Alex, I guess we'll start with you. Obviously, we coach female soccer. Um, what's your what's your background? And just give us some highlights. Thanks, Dean. Yeah, I guess um, my background with football goes back to when I was very young um, and not so much playing at a really high level, but more so just being involved in it, getting involved with the kids' game and how important it is and how vital it is actually to having good mental health and being a part of a community. So... That's something that I've loved, and obviously I got to meet you pretty quickly when you first moved to Australia. Could say without me bringing you down to Ashburton and back all these years ago, who you wouldn't be where you are now, mate. <laughs> no, yeah, definitely. It was one of the first jobs I got was yeah through meeting Alex down in, and we went to Ashburton. I think we went maybe five days without him telling me that he used to play for Man United as a kid, and uh, I'm surprised <laughs> he's gone that thirty seconds there without saying it. Um, <laughs> we'll delve into that. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, we've got we got Brabba. What's your, you know, you're only young. You're only, what, 12, 13 years old? No, I'm 20, Dean. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so old. Yeah. What's, uh, what, just just tell us, what, what was your early part getting into, into sport and soccer particularly? Well, when I was quite young, uh, surprisingly or not, um, my mum put me into ballet and I was very <laughs> uncoordinated that I had to be taken out. So my dad finally said, yes, I can finally get her into soccer. So he shoved me in a soccer team down where I live, down in Latrobe Valley. And I've moved about two clubs or so, stuck with a club for about, I think it was about 10, 13 years, and then decided to move up to Cranberry where you guys are and play up there. Yeah, Jesus. I, I don't know anyone that has watched Casey Comets play and watched Brabba play. I, I think ballet is, could not be the further from the 
suitable sport. I mean, <laughs> she's more known as a hard tackling midfielder than a uh, elegant dynamic forward, I would say. So, um, yeah, look, like we'll hit on that. Obviously, you're 20, Brabber, and I came into the club two years ago and, and you'd been playing for them for a while and you'd have only been 18. Like, what's the... What age did you get into senior senior women's? Um, down on my end, my dad forced me to play with the boys earlier on so I could build up my strength and whatnot. And then I played my first women's game when I was 14, I believe, or 13, Jeez. 13, 14, because we were allowed to down there. So and I, th- I think it was a grand final and they got me to play because I was playing with the boys and they needed extra plays because down where I am, it's very soccer isn't, and especially women's sport isn't very much of a big thing. So um, played down in the lower levels for ages and then, yeah, played a women's game when I was very young. And then from then I just went upwards and then ended up being a captain of the team maybe about two, three years in a row and then decided I had enough. So came up to Cranbourne to play better soccer and just have a crack, I guess. Yeah, I guess that highlights, like for anyone that's not in Melbourne, um, the, the distinction between the country sport and re- and Melbourne metro sport is, is huge. Like obviously sheer numbers make the, the level of competition a bit lower and, and there are a lot of bit and we will get into that later. The amount of travel some of these more elite players in the country have to do to, to play at a good level. Alex, what about yourself? Um obviously good start playing at a high level young, but uh when did you move into the men's game and obviously come over here? Well, you years? could say I um I peaked at about ten years old. As you said, I, I tend to mention it quite a bit. Now, I was very lucky when I was um, younger. I vividly remember the day my dad called me and he goes, I said, he said, someone on the phone for you. And crew Alexandra, who were a team up north who no one really knew, said they're on the phone. And I was like, who are they? So I go into the phone, I answer it, and it was actually one of the coaches from the Man United Youth Academy. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? I don't even have any football boots at the moment. I've not had a kick in ages. So I was really lucky. I got involved at that level at a young age. Um, and then come around 2008, when I was 14, I moved to Australia. And that was a pretty difficult point. That was pretty weird to move to a new country where I didn't know anyone. My brother was back home. My sister was back home. And I was really lucky in that my brother was traveling here at the time and took me down to a senior club. So basically the aim was I'd play under 18s there, under 16s or whatever it was at the time. And I joined in training and pretty much started playing in the men's within six months. I was in the resis. Yeah. Um, and that was pretty intense going from playing amateur junior football into a senior environment was mind-blowing especially being so new to the country yeah yeah it's hard I did myself and to look at me now you wouldn't know but I played the highest level of football in men's at 14 you know I was built like a fella as a kid I can imagine now I just look like a fat fella so it's like (laughs) like it it's interesting because I never thought of it before we came on like we all sort of started at the same time and Obviously, that's probably more uncommon for in male sport. In the women's game, Brabber, like a lot of players, good players, get to adult football a lot quicker. Like yourself, you moved out of the country to play for Casey in in a high level in in Melbourne Metro at seventeen. I want to say. Yeah, it was about seventeen. Yeah, I think I was seventeen, turning eighteen. Yeah. Yeah, so that's 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 huge. Like on a on a sport level, but obviously that came in with. What are you, an, uh, an hour and a half away from? And, and for anyone who doesn't yeah. know, Cranbourne is the edge of Metro Melbourne. It is, it is, when we say Melbourne, it's an hour from Cranbourne into Melbourne. Um, so you're an hour and a half further out than that? 
yeah, yeah, about hour and a half, hour and twenty. Depends on traffic, of course, but yeah. <laughs> so what did what did that do when when you when you've turned around to mum and dad and gone, I want to go and play in Melbourne. That's a big family commitment at seventeen when you can't drive. And how did that go? Um, it went pretty well. Dad, my dad's a pretty massive supporter of like my sports and like all that type of stuff. And linking it back to like mental health sports is such a massive thing, thing especially for younger kids. As in, like you make friends, obviously all the positivity and stuff like that. It's great. So he was excited for me to go up in a higher level. I think he was sick of me, like sick of seeing me down at a lower level. And like we were smashing teams five nil every week. Like I was getting bored of it. So he suggested that we go up there and he'd take me every week, Tuesday, Thursday, Sundays, and we would go, or he would drive me. And then now, since I've gotten my license, obviously I drive myself, but he still comes up and watches a couple of games and whatnot. But no, he was a massive support during the time when I didn't have my license. So I was very, very lucky in that fact. Yeah, it's, it's huge to have that that amount of support from your family. And, and it, you know, he's obviously then spent a lot of time by himself, hasn't he? Like, he's sitting in that car with you, you know, and 17-year-old, you're sitting on your phone most of the way, I'd imagine, you know, and then he's sitting, yeah, there, 100%. Yeah, he's sitting there for an hour and a half while you're training, and then on the way back, another hour and a half. It's a, it's a big, it's a big, big commitment. And, uh, I mean, I guess, having known Alex a little bit, his experience with, with his dad coming to watch, obviously his dad had, knew a lot about <laughs> football. He, I guess the things he had to deal with were... Obviously, your dad got quite passionate, eh? Yeah, he's a, <laughs> he's a very big fan of watching whoever I'm playing for win. But similar to what Brad was saying, I think um, when you're in that age group as well, so many kids don't really have that kind of close relationship with their parents. Um, and I was really lucky. My brother was the same. My dad would not miss a game. Yeah. And I feel like without having him there, I wouldn't have felt like I could have made that step up at the age that I did. But at yeah. the same time, going back to what you were saying, Gav, <laughs> we, we vibe off each other. You know, they say like a dog is similar to their owner and if they're getting angry, the owner will get angry. That was my dad. If he was getting angry on the sidelines, I'd get angry on the pitch. And one of my one of my um, worst records that I try and avoid as much as I can is the amount of red cards that I've announced over the years with the FFV. It's uh, it's put me in the bad books for sure. Yeah, no, I was surprised they let you coach. <laughs> but like, no, nah, it, it, it is a difficult... Um, <laughs> it is difficult because obviously... It, at a lower level as well, there's only about six people watching, so you can you can feed off that. You can you're able to feed off it. It's not ten thousand people, and you can't pick anyone out. Yeah, big time. But it's uh, yeah, look, it it's hard. Like I played football and rugby to a good standard, and um, it was incredibly hard to deal with that emotion when you've got you know rugby. You had a lot of blokes on the sidelines having a few beers, getting a bit. You know, ripping shouting into you all game, ripping yeah. into you, shouting, fight, 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 hit him. Like it, it's hard not to, you know. And uh, only for the fact of me being a wimp that I didn't. But like it, um, yeah. <laughs> you often found that being egged on by the crowd does does uh, doesn't help at times. Um, I think that's a good start. I think we'll go for a quick break and then we'll uh, we'll come back and we'll talk about some hurdles and uh, hit on some low points. Oi. Oi, 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 oi. IGA is shopping nice. IGA, where the price is right. Seaford North IGA for your groceries and liquor. IGA Express, there's nothing quicker.
Josie from Space Folk. And when I want to stay groovy, I listen to Radio Karen. Welcome back. Um, I think I'll kick us off. We'll talk about some hurdles that we've all had to overcome. I mean, it's pretty obvious looking at me. My biggest hurdle is the fact that I eat too much. You know, I had to give up playing sport pretty early because I preferred to eat McDonald's. Uh, um, <laughs> I, th- I think, though, in hindsight, I go back and I look at, you know, depression was obviously a big factor. I gave up playing sport at 19, 20 years old of any sort of level, carried on milling about. And it, that was sort of the time where, my mental health took a turn, and I think uh, I think that was probably a big spiral, big part of my spiral down over the next ten years. Um, but yeah, it was just laziness, laziness that led on to that. I mean, you guys obviously don't have that, uh, especially Brabber. You you know, the last thing anyone would ever describe you as on a football pitch is lazy, <laughs> irritating and annoying. Yeah, but lazy, lazy. No one's ever going to do that. What what would you say, Brabber, is your the biggest hurdle you've faced in not only participating, but also getting on, like getting better and, and, and moving on? Um, Probably, I would say for me, it's massive. It's in like the fitness side of things, in especially playing at a higher level. Because when you first go up there, obviously you don't know who anyone is or anything like that. And you look at all the other girls and like your teammates and like, oh my God, like they are fit and I need to get up to that level. Like I need to get up to that standard and I don't have the time where I'm driving and I have to fit it in type of thing. So, like, that's probably the hardest thing is staying at the level that they are, especially coming from down here and you don't really have the motivation of, say, your mates from your team going, oh, come to the gym with me, come do this, blah, blah, It's got to be yourself type of thing. I'd say that's probably, like, the hardest thing, as well as just trying to stay positive all the time, especially, say, if you're going on, like, a losing streak within your team and stuff like that, it's hard to keep everyone in a type of hype state, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, like, look, I've coached at a team where I had to drive an hour and a half home. And when you've lost, that is a three-hour drive in your head. You know, so staying positive, <laughs> staying positive and then getting the motivation to do it again to come back Tuesday would be horrendous. But it's, it's interesting. I think Alex would think the same. Like, you say about the fitness side of it, there's no way in the squad we had this season at Casey Comets that you would have been... That was never in the co- the chat for us as coaches. You being unfit was never in the chat. So, you know, if that if that's what you perceive to be as a big hurdle, you, you kind of smashed it. Yeah, oh, definitely. I'd like to. Um, I think Brad is very similar to me in that you're extremely fiery and winning is very important to you. Whatever. Um, when we have those days where it just doesn't go your way, what are some of your strategies, Brad, for calming yourself down on the pitch and also after the game? How do you kind of make reason of it um god that's tough um because <laughs> you see when I'm on the pitch obviously I'm quite angry and like I'm trying to calm myself down it's just not working and like you said when things aren't going my way I get a bit I get a bit feisty and then it affects the game as a team type of thing I guess I think in my head like this isn't just about you Emily like it's a team game stop being selfish like, you're, you're playing really bad. That doesn't mean your team's playing bad type of thing. Like, put your head up because some people actually look up to type of thing, especially the younger ones we have in our team. Like, they look up to myself and the other girls as, like, a type of role model seeing as, as like, 
seeing as as like the benchmark type. So I guess thinking about them and thinking like looking out into the crowd and thinking you probably look really silly right now. So calm down is the easiest way to settle down for me. Yeah. Oh, to be fair, I think you're a bit more self-conscious of that than Alex was, but like, <laughs> I, I think it's interesting because there's some times where, you know, I could compare you to my nine year old when he gets a skateboard trick wrong and he throws his skateboard and says, this is rubbish. But then <laughs> what you have over him is that you can pull it back and go, yeah, I did look a bit silly there, like get the head down and you go again, whereas he just calls me all sorts, you know, <laughs> he goes off on one. So that, that you know, you, you got, and I think over the, over the course of the season, and, and this is our first year working together as player and coach, and I think one of your biggest things, one of the biggest things that a lot of players I've come across don't have is the ability to take on the feedback and 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 know that what's coming is is from a good place. Like, for example, I could just, Either of us, particularly Alex, could just shout your name across a park and you know exactly what's gone on. You know, there was some sort of synch- synchrony there where, brava, you knew whether it was because the pass was poor or whether you needed to calm down. And I thought that sort of ability from you to rationalise in your own head was shows a bit a fair awareness. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I do remember most of the time I am getting yelled at going, Brabba, you did this wrong, Brabba, you did this wrong. And you just see me like from across the pitch with a thumb up. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, that yeah. type of thing. Exactly, and it's not a throw your arms up in the air and get annoyed, which moves us sweetly no. on to Alex in terms of, you know, like, <laughs> you know, we, 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 we copped a little, we saw a little bit and, and look, I'm making out he's bad. I, you know, neither of us are the calmest on the sidelines. I didn't get sent off this year. <laughs> yeah, only one of us. <laughs> only one of us got sent off, and uh, this year. But um, when when we're finding that, like particularly, say referees, is is an incredibly hard thing, and you've only just sort of worked out as a coach that it's possibly more frustrating. Like, what did you find? Because you did get better throughout the season. That you did, I didn't. Like, <laughs> what did you start to do in the end? Like. Uh, I guess I try. I think there's a lot of similarities between sport and the way we go about day-to-day life. You know, the people we come across, if you've got a manager who's doing your head in at work or someone who's just not listening to you, that's what football is like, except it's 90 minutes and everything is escalated. So emotions are flying around and you've got to try and breach that gap between them and go, hang on, like Brabber said, you're embarrassing yourself here. Would you act like that in a professional workspace? And how can you just breathe for two, three seconds? Or as I do, my favourite is the walk-off. Just walk off for a moment, give yourself a second. And it's so funny when I look at how I act on the field compared to outside of it. And I've played with people before <laughs> who have said, you are a different person off the field. And that's something yeah. that's been a battle for me. It's been a demon for me for 15 years, maybe longer. So, um, yeah, I think it's just really simil- really important to look at the similarities between on the pitch and off the pitch and how we can try and, you know, rationalise a little bit more. It's it's interesting. That I remember playing rugby and, like, I... We used to get in the third team when I was sort of potting about, we used to get the old first team jacket t-shirts. So they were all skin fit. Now, if I go and put a skin fit t-shirt on in my wardrobe, I take it straight back off. Played rugby, put a skin fit t-shirt on, everything rolling about. I thought I was 10 foot. I thought I was elite (laughs) and 10 foot tall and no one could hurt me. It was ridiculous. But it, it just shows you like the same scenario basically, but in the sporting contest, I felt like I could beat anyone and and do anything in rugby. And then at home, I'll be in the corner crying that I'm too fat. I know, it's amazing though, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. Like how 
it's I think yeah I think um, sort of it's, how important would you say then Brad because I think you're the best out of the three of us is it to have to be able to identify and, and use strategies to keep yourself regulated I guess on the on the park to, to get the performance level up um, I view it as probably one of the most important things in a game aspect. Obviously, you have to play as a team and like your main objective is to score. But being able to calm yourself down and get your head back in the game is probably really important because like I said before, once one person's off, the whole team starts to get the vibe and it's just the whole team is off. And then you could potentially lose the game if you're winning, like if you're up. So it's like being able to have that mental state of, no, settle down, let's get back into a rhythm, we're playing really well, like we're going to smash these guys, like, let's work as a team is like very high on the agenda when going into game day, especially like it's probably one of the most important things I think of when driving up there is like, don't be silly today. Keep your head screwed on. Never happens, but at least I think it. Can you imagine how bad we'd be if we didn't do that? <laughs> if we yeah. if we didn't talk ourselves down, can you imagine how insane that would be? That'd be horrible. Oh man, it'd be, yeah, it'd be pretty chronic, wouldn't it? <laughs> it'd be pretty chronic. Yeah. Here you go. Let, here's a song that you probably use to get yourself pumped up. Uh, we'll just play a song and Avicii Levels is probably one of my pump up songs I listen to every day on the way to, to a game so uh, we'll join you back in three or four minutes yeah boom now I'm pumped love that song <laughs> love that song like great tune um, I remember hearing it at a football ground back home before the game and it was like boom the atmosphere was so high and then the players ran out and it was dead. But <laughs> it was about a fourth division game, but it, it sounded good at the time. Oh, music's so important <laughs> to get yourself in that state as well. Yeah, oh, all yeah. about it. It's one of the things I want to get going at Casey Comets this year is that tune pumping out as we walk out. That'll be, I mean, Brabber will be sent off in the first five seconds. But <laughs> for, first tackle, Kung Fu b- ballet kick into the chest. <laughs> <laughs> Re- recalling the ballet stuff. Um, I guess I'll start with Alex's time. We'll um, we'll go pretty hard. We'll go. We've all we've all had low points, like you know, in in life, in in sport, and and for all three of us, sport is quite a big big part of that. Um, what what would you say, Alex, is your the point in sport where you were the most upset, or or would you say was your biggest low? Ah, uh, there's a couple I could pick on I wouldn't go for the obvious ones which someone would say you know oh this red card or that they got to a point with the first club that I played for when I moved to Australia um, and it was like it was so tied into who I was when I moved here because I had nothing else and I was there for years I had a big say in the coaching and in the development of the club and they got to a point where we had one coach and I did something stupid in one of the games and basically said enough's enough and after that I got put on the bench a few times and I walked away I turned my back on football completely I stopped coaching I didn't play for two, three years. Um, and then over how, time... How old were you at that point? I think I was 23. So, yeah, yeah. I was um, nowhere near the end of what I was trying to do in my football. Um, but, yeah, it was it had a massive impact on my development. But I think more importantly, I isolated myself from all that community that I had. Um, yeah. And, yeah, not playing. I guess you didn't notice at the start. I think it was my partner, Nicole, at the time just said... You need to get out of the house. You need to start playing sport again because you're losing your mind even more than you were when you were playing. Yeah, no, it's it's hard. Like I'm I'm the same. I um I gave up sport, like I said, proper sport at, at 19, 20. It, it doesn't help. But had, had hindsight, then walking away after being dropped, 
You know, I know what my attitude as a coach would be to a player. We had it. A couple of players got dropped, walked away after one or two games. My my opinion of those players went down. Uh, I didn't think, you know, it wasn't great. How do you look back on that now? Would you do it again? I would. It wasn't so much about <laughs> it wasn't so much about not being put Fair in enough. the squad that weekend. Yeah. Um, it was the fact that that relationship with me and the club itself had, you know, and you'd been involved at the same <laughs> club, so without mentioning any names. <laughs> um, it was one of those that I probably should have left earlier. And yep. this is a theme that I've had before where I was too nervous to leave because I was awkward. I didn't want to put myself in an awkward situation at a new club. It's like when yep. I left United when I was 11, they closed down the academy for two years to regenerate it all. And I got offered six other clubs to go and play for. And because I was so nervous and d- didn't want to meet new people at that time, I just stopped playing as well. So it was the second time yeah. where I'd completely stopped playing football and my development got stunted so massively. Yeah, oh, that 11 to 13 age would have been stupid time, really, in hindsight, to stop playing. Oh, big time. From my development. Weight, my weight went from, you know, looking like a little stick. And uh, by the time I moved to Australia, I had a lot of, <laughs> lot of ground to catch up on. <laughs> oh, yeah, pretty athletic out here. Brava. Talking about like what what would you say was the the biggest the biggest down point in your in your sporting career so far, seeing as you're um, only twelve? So far for me, it's mainly on two things is when I first moved up to Cranbourne and was playing, I always went back down to support my old club and the women's team there and the men's team there. And some nights I'd get asked to go train, so I'd go and have a train and whatnot. And all the boys from the boys' team were like, they'd play jokes and stuff. And like, oh, you think you're too good for us, blah, blah, blah. Like, just keep going and going and going and going. And it got to the point where it was actually like soccer just didn't seem fun to me anymore because I'd be getting these messages or I'd be getting little slide comments went down, like in my hometown, like saying, you think you're too good, that's why you've moved, blah, blah, blah. To be fair, mate, you are. <laughs> like, but at that point, like you feel, <laughs> you just feel really like bad about yourself. Like you just feel, oh, maybe I should have stayed. Like you don't know, I don't know what it is. It just, it didn't feel the best, honestly. It wasn't amazing, and especially being like a girl in a type of big league, they're all like, they're just like, oh, you probably think like you have a massive head, so on, so on. And it just got to the point where it was ridiculous. Like I just didn't want to play soccer. All I wanted to do was just stay at home. Really, it was horrible. That's that's a really strange, yeah. Because that's nothing in, within your control, eh? Because you, you have to yeah, make no. that step on. Um, was that? It's interesting you say from the the guys team and the girls team there that 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 you got that from, yeah. Yes, mostly mostly it was the males and the older males from the club because our club was um it was very Italian based type of thing. So there was a certain type of nationality there. So it was all basic men. But so yeah, some of the girls were very quite awful, and some of the men were quite awful as well. But in the end, there was a couple of people who were nice, and they're like, "Oh no, go up and play. You deserve it." And I was like, "You know what? Thanks, thanks for that." <laughs> how do you? It's how like do breaking you... up with someone, isn't it? Yeah. You leave this community, and everyone's yeah. like, "Oh, you left us. Get away." Oh mate, I've done it to a That's few what clubs. It felt like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, how did you? So you, then you say you hated the game and blah blah blah. Like, how did you get? How did you? get that back I guess because you never stopped you never actually said no I'm not going to play anywhere how did you battle through that um I guess I just relied on my teammates to be able to like make myself happy and be like valued as a person up at soccer like feel like I was important up there felt like I was needed 
and that all the people down my way were just wrong and just like not in the right headspace. They're probably just jealous that I was up there compared to them. Obviously, men, obviously, boys want to go as far as um, Premier League or whatever, be able to move over somewhere else and play somewhere else. So they're probably. In my head, I finally realised that they might have just been a bit jealous of how far I went compared to what they are and that that type of thing. I just thought, I think I gave myself a little bit of a big head in the end, but it probably was the best thing for me to do. Yeah, look, let's have it right. Any of those blokes, if they were offered a gig at a State League One club, they would have gone. <laughs> you know, every, yeah. every single player from that region would have done the exact same thing if they could. Definitely. L- definitely. Like, we get know. so tribal though, don't we, to our sports clubs, no matter how big or small, once you've had a jacket or a T-shirt, that becomes part of who you are and yeah. you, pr- you protect that. And anyone who wants to leave, well, we don't need you anyway. Yeah, Get no, away. that's exactly – and that's, you know, that's one of the great things we love about sport. You know, we, we can see from the, the KC group that we have now, it's, you know, if anyone leaves, it, it does cut pretty deep you know within reason um as long as they're they're the people we want at the club but like it you you know you don't want when integral parts of your club leave it's it's hard it it is is hard and that's what you want to achieve but what brabber's explaining there is a toxic culture of big time you know not wanting people to succeed we want you to play here because i'm assuming single-handedly you could win games in the you know whoop whoop league yeah, there was times where I could, but as in, obviously the game is a team sport, but like there was times where obviously you'd see like myself would like obviously be above the people that are there. Because the league that I play in, as I've told you a couple of times, is mainly like 30-year-old mums just want to have a kick and type of thing. Yeah, They're just there for a bit of fun. While while we've said I'm very competitive, so I like to win. It's the equivalent of what you, what you were playing here. It's the equivalent of five leagues below that potentially. It's so, poppy syndrome, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Someone starts to rise a bit too much from the pack and everyone else kind of gets that um, fight mentality of you can't yeah. be part of ours. And, yeah, I think people overcome that a lot. I think that's also applicable outside of sport. There'd be, yeah, there'd be some sort of – there'd be something around the community there. And, and obviously, you know, if you move into a, uh, a community in the country, it, it can be quite hard to get in. But I can imagine from the sounds of that, it's pretty hard to get out. You yeah, know, time. we don't want new people in and we don't want people leaving. Yeah, we've got, um, my parents are from really small towns in Scotland. We call it small town syndrome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I am. Everyone knows everyone. Yeah, of course. I'm from a little village on top of a hill, mate. If you if you move into that <laughs> village, you are, a, you know, you've got four heads. That's how people look at you, you know. Let's, let's adversely then, let's, let's give Alex, we give Alex a bit of a bash in here because he's an angry little man. But like, what's one of the biggest, what's one of the biggest wins? <laughs> The, biggest or win. the biggest win. And, oh. and if you bring up United again, I'm nah, going to... No way. Um, <laughs> one thing, I've had this conversation a few times recently. Um, so when I did start playing again, a good friend reached out. He was the president of a club. I won't even talk about the level because it honestly doesn't even matter. That's no. the whole point of what I'm getting at. Um, and we were able to go and we won, for the first time in my playing career, we won the league and the cup in the same year. Yep. Um, and it was just incredible. Like my, One thing I was telling the, my friends who don't really play sport was that no matter what level, no matter how good you are, Actually experiencing winning and actually getting the carrier trophy around, it's not much other not much other things like it. I absolutely love it. And for me, that was the best season I've ever had. Most fun. I made some of the best friends I've ever met. And that community will always stay the same now. We've not played together in three years, but we still catch yeah. up regularly. Still talk about the glory days, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It is because you think how many people play a sport, how many people actually win. The number's low. 
you know that mm, big time. for every f- million people that play sport there's only there's only a few that can win you know so um it yeah it, it's interesting i would say mine would be i went back to the uk for a bit and i played two games of rugby for the fourth team i think it was the third team at best and i went back in i played a semi final scored a try <laughs> they're like oh, what a ring in <laughs> yeah what a ring in big fat prop get him in scored a try and they're dino do you want to come back play next week in the final. I was like, yeah, 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 all right then. And uh, we turned up to play in this final. I haven't played for three years at this point. And uh, the opposition had brought in their first team, <laughs> Tongan International oh, prop, <laughs> who was <laughs> massive. And, uh, you know, I haven't played for so long now. Dino, he's your man. Jesus, you know, and you're you're going fronting up to this big, big, big fella, like big fella. And I uh, I tackled him and he went off the park for 20 minutes. Love and that. and we, we ended up, <laughs> we, uh, I mean, it was the scariest, lowest point when he came back on. Cause <laughs> he's kno- he's, he's going to line me up. <laughs> he did not take his eyes off me. But winning that and, uh, you know, coming back into a club that I hadn't been around for three years, being welcomed back in just as a, a bloke who wanted to have a game of rugby and, you know, the beers afterwards and the, it, it still, it still rings, rings really well for me. And, uh, yeah. Brabba, what, what about yourself? Obviously, leaving the country team wasn't a highlight. <laughs> no, but um, a massive highlight down there um, is probably there's two that just always stick in my head is winning um, League Best and Ferris down there two years in a row, the Women's League Best and Ferris. That was like unbelievable. Didn't even think I was in it. I just, I didn't even know what it was. I just got told to go to an event to represent my club and then my name got called up. And I remember, I think I was about, I want to say 15, 16. And they got me wearing heels and all that. And as you know, I do not dress up fancy. I'm walking up there, stumbling up there. And they're like, oh, you got to do a speech now. And I was like, what? <laughs> and they made me do a speech in front of everyone. But it was probably one of my massive highlights. And probably when I was in under, I think it was under 12, so it was a boys team. We won a grand final. And for some reason, that just sticks in the back of my head. Every time someone mentions a highlight is my year, is the um, under 12, the grand final win. It was Fortuna versus Churchill. Best thing ever. Remember it. The whole, the whole game, everything. That's, see, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Because, you know, in, in many coaching circles, there are oh, development, this development, that. It doesn't matter if you lose. Every single one of us picked the point where we won. Every single <laughs> one. Because it point. is a massive point. is a massive part of sport. And, and you know, it's, uh, it's just interesting that, that, that we all just did that. And it didn't matter what level, you know. Whoop, whoop, Sunday league, third team rugby, wouldn't even tell us what level. But uh, winning, <laughs> winning, and winning, and good culture is is massive. Uh, let's listen yeah. to Seven Nations Army, and and when we come back, we'll talk about some aims for the future and and how we can all improve on that. Cheers. Welcome back, guys. Um, yeah, guys. So last last little section, we'll um we'll have a look at what are we aiming for in the future, and and how can we the stuff that we identified there about what we sort of weaknesses and and things to build on. Um, Alex, obviously, you've got a big move coming up. Um, you're uh, off off somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, not too much. Uh, we're still working a few logistics out there, but yeah, I think for me, less away from the playing side, more on the coaching side. Um, working with you this year has been amazing, and there's so many things I take away from coaching to what I actually do day to day. Whether that's um, working at the hotel or doing sales, when some of the difficult conversations you have to have at a senior coaching level really exposes you to some situations you'd just rather avoid and put in the bin. But you have to address them, and you have to do them very, very quickly. Yeah, 
it's it's I just came into senior coaching and um yeah they're, they're conversations that you don't have with 16 year olds in an under 17 league and you, you do you have to and it's something we need to get better at you know I think you can always get better at the communication side of it and 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 it does help it does help in in like say other areas of work and and life and even with your partner, you know. Oh, big like, time! They're all very transferable skills. Definitely. You know, my partner's very quick to tell me to put the toilet seat down, but I'm very slow to <laughs> to moan about anything else because I get too scared. Um, Brava, Brava! Obviously, what's your like? You know, sport, life, whatever. What's your, what's your aims in the next sort of six to twelve months? I guess when we come out of this COVID world that we're in. Um, I guess. My aim is to um, possibly just get not as fit as I can, but be able to improve my fitness inside the gym and like cardio wise, I guess, just stay fit on the off season. So if there is a chance that I come and play next season or when I do come play next season, um, that when, I'm already... when, when you come and play next season, I, I'm cutting you yeah, off. Sorry. Yeah, when, when, yeah. <laughs> when I come and play next season, that I'm already like on the top, on like top of my fitness, and I'm not behind, and I'm not at those training sessions during those sprints, going, "Oh my god, I'm so unfit." <laughs> Instead, I'll be able to run. <laughs> yeah, oh, that, and you know, that's a that's a good point to be at, like to come back refreshed, you know, and and hit the ground running, so we can work on football stuff. You know, you you want to be playing football more than running, so do the dirty work outside. Oh, big time! What do you? <laughs> what, there, there's a big one because a lot of people say to me, especially with my coaching style and, and and the way I do things that I am quite big on fitness you know I, I'm I'm very anti people that were like myself as a player lazy unfit not working hard players um how do how do you get through that how do you get through that how are you getting yourself ready for January February where where there will be a lot of hard work and and grit needed um I guess I give myself a bit of a schedule while trying to work around my work down here I'm trying to get into my gym that I go to. It's a bit of a CrossFit gym, so it's completely different. It's more weight-based and stuff like that, but that's the type of stuff I enjoy. So I try to give myself a bit of a schedule about go five times a week or something. And then on those off days, making sure that I'm like eating healthier and not trying to eat all the bad stuff, I guess. Yeah, no, it's good. It's a, it's a positive way of looking at it. And, and, you know, when you are six into the 10 full-length, pitch sprints that you might not be quite so negative because you're like oh I did some crossfit you know you might be happy about it <laughs> you might be able to get through it um yeah look it it's massive and and I think these sort of conversations and, and you guys coming on and and being open and talking about how you know sport and uh, and look mental health is a buzz thing at the moment and a lot of people are talking about it and I think some of it's tokenistic I, I'm all for getting real people real lives and and real opinions on it and, and you guys have been really open and and that's great uh great for people to listen to hopefully and and if one person takes away from it and goes oh fair enough i'm an angry little man as well this is this is what <laughs> this is what alex tries maybe i'll try this or you know and 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 let's have it right what what brabber you described there about the blokes and girls when you moved up that's not just you that's going to cop that you know, there's plenty of talent. There's plenty of athletic people out in the country. You know, you're running around after sheep all day, and and yeah. sort of <laughs> eating <laughs> eating fresh food and and you know walking ten miles for water. 
there's there's plenty of <laughs> athletes out there that are gonna have that are gonna move into the city and and to excel in sport and, and if it helps one person then that's great. Um, we'll just go for a little ad break and then we'll then we'll wrap up. Hi, my name's Paul Kennedy and I'm a sport reporter for the ABC and when I'm not listening to the ABC, I listen to Radio Karam. Tune in and enjoy. Uh, yeah, thanks guys. As we were saying, um, yeah, it's been brilliant to have you guys on and uh, I hope hopefully to get both of you back in the future and, and we'll have some more, more discussions. Definitely, Dean. No, I always love talking about this stuff and strategies people can do and how you can apply that in your day-to-day life as well. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate it as well. Thanks for having me, Dean. Thanks for joining us, mate. And like I said at the start, I'd love to have you um, come back on, come down into the studio now, see all the bright lights of uh, of Radio Carum. Um <laughs> Thanks very much, guys. And, and hopefully you enjoyed the show and you'll join us next time where we'll have hopefully some guests that are just as good, if not better than these guys. Awesome. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Um,